All right, I have an honest question to ask you. When I say the word sales, what does it bring up for you? I think one of the reasons why I continue to seek out awesome guests to come on this podcast and talk about this topic is that feeling good about sales is the foundation for success in business, period. And my guest today has that exact same philosophy, and yet he makes selling easy and not icky and ethical and all the good things. So if you enjoy this podcast, please share it with all your friends out there who just dislike sales. I'm excited because this is all about cultivating the sales mindset that makes you feel like you can actually forge forward in your business and also know what the heck you're doing and feel really confident in what you're doing. Also, it's a super fun conversation and I think you're really going to enjoy it. So without further ado, let's roll the intro. You're listening to The Untapped Podcast, a podcast where you can learn how to tap into your potential and get paid to be you so that you are ultimately doing the work that you love and living life on purpose. It sounds too good to be true. I can tell you it's not. I'm your host, Natalie Sisson, a Kiwi entrepreneur, author, speaker, podcaster, obviously, triathlete, and white German shepherd lover. And I have gone from the corporate world to my own business, where for the last 11 years, I have essentially been learning and educating people how to build an online business they love by monetizing them and what they do best. So sit back, relax, and enjoy these golden nuggets with myself or my amazing and inspiring guests. And make sure that you subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you happen to listen into this just search for Untapped with Natalie Sisson. All right, let's dive in. So my guest today, Chris Spurvey, is a sales mentor, an author, a fellow podcaster, and a speaker. Chris consciously chose entrepreneurship as a means to create a better life for his family. And he realized that he had some really negative beliefs about sales, which were holding him back from taking his ventures to the next level. He saw this as a major hurdle to not only his business, but the business of virtually every other entrepreneur. So he went to work on himself and found a way to sell that felt right. Now, Chris spearheaded the growth of Plato Consulting to the point that it was acquired by one of the largest management consulting firms in the world. You might have heard of it, KPMG. And in the process, he sold over $300 million in consulting services. Following that acquisition, Chris turned his focus to help other non-sales sellers, which is probably you and me, to find a way to grow their revenue in a consistent, stress-free manner. So on this podcast, we talk about the two most important ingredients that drive you towards or away from success, why most entrepreneurs do not get sales and what to do about it, how the decision to write a book has literally changed the trajectory of Chris's career. I would say it's probably changed my directory too and how to break out of a sales slump. We just had such an awesome conversation. I really appreciate Chris's honesty. And we had some good jams on a few things as well, where we challenged each other on some stuff. So tune in, enjoy, and let's go. Chris Burby, welcome to the Untapped Podcast. Thank you for having me. It's uh, great to be here. And it's amazing to talk to somebody on the complete other side of the world. Yeah, <laughs> totally. That was my mind. We finally made it happen too, which was awesome. Yeah. So I would love to know if you're willing to let people know, how do you tap into your potential and get paid to be you? Yeah, it's a a phenomenal question. So I guess, how do I tap into my potential? I I always believe that we are best 
equipped to serve people who are presently in our shoes from five or six or 10 years ago. And so today I spend my time and energy and get paid helping entrepreneurs learn to sell a little bit better. And it's been very rewarding for me and not pretty well. What typically happens is as people bring me into their businesses, I become their trusted advisors. So it's worked out very well for me. So that's primarily how I get paid as a coach slash consultant to organizations in the area of sales growth. Nice. So the sales mentor kind of role, which is neat. And I'm sure a few people who are listening were like, oh, sales. And you know, it. I brought it back on this podcast again, because I feel like it's a topic that we could just keep revisiting. And it's such a mental block for some, a physical block in terms of, I think, really where they need to head in their business and the growth mindset that they need to adopt around this. And I'm really excited to dig in because I think you have a pretty unique perspective on the art of sales and what I like to call enrolling people. And it, yeah. also at the end of the day, it's often to do with storytelling. So we'll dive into that. But one thing I'd love to know is kind of what makes you qualified to have the ability to go into these organizations and teach them how to be better at selling? I'd love to know your background on what made you fall in love with selling. Well, I, I would suggest the reason I'm qualified is because I made every mistake in the book. And <laughs> I picked myself back up each time and pivoted my way towards finding a way to sell, be successful in, you know, just by being me, finding a way to sell that was unique to myself and my personality. And so I don't come from any pedigree genes of, uh, of salesmanship. You know, I jokingly say during my first few times trying to sell, when I started my first company, I would drive into the driveway of the clients and the, the lights were on when I drove in. But when I went to go up to the door, the lights were off. So they didn't want to see me coming. <laughs> so, so I had to figure out how to sell. And, and I, I actually believe the reason that was, and that's a bit obviously an exaggeration, but the reason that was, was I was trying to sell based on what I read and also based on some early experiences of sales that I had. You know, I recall the Electrolux vacuum cleaner salesman coming to my door in 1983 and I witnessed my wow. mom and dad buy a $3,000 vacuum in a 45-minute sales pitch. They had not even talked about buying a vacuum up until that pitch. And that the guy in a brown suit fought every objection my mom and dad threw at him. And they ended up buying the vacuum. And then they fought for three or four months as they tried to figure out how to pay for it. So, you know, and so when I started to sell, because that was the hat that I was given in my business, I thought that's how you did it. And I feel miserably, right? And so, you know, I do believe, though, in our core that we have to learn to sell, whether that's sell our ideas or sell our product or our service, we're always selling. So it's best we try to find a way to do it that feels good for us. Oh, 100%. I couldn't agree more. I'm sorry. Really? A vacuum cost 3000 US dollars back in the 80s? Back in the 80s, yeah. Wow. This was a super duper vacuum, a central vacuum, right? Oh, and, uh, a central vacuum. Yeah. It's like so, a small deposit on a house. Whew, yeah, that was some yeah, well, sales. Yeah, it's $12,000 in today's yeah. dollars. Yeah, so, uh, wow. It was a lot of money. Uh, it was a lot of money, for sure. Holy. That is amazing. That's a great story, actually. And I love that you kind of, you know, you learned from that, the art of potentially a great sale, but then you realize that that wasn't always going to be the way or the style that was going to work for you best and also your clients. So yeah. what do you think? You know, when it comes to sales, what have you seen as the trend? Because I, I feel like it's one of these, constantly evolving areas. It's one of the most critical for business, but it's one that I do truly believe so many entrepreneurs 
do not like. And I hear a lot of people saying, I'm just not good at sales or I, I find sales icky. And most of the time when I dig deeper, they've never actually had any formal or informal learning. And they've seen all the wrong things like you were talking about. You know, they've seen the terrible ads. They've seen the salesperson on the car yard. And you know what? My dad used to love secondhand car sales. He did it when he was retired, but he just had this beautiful way about him. And he wasn't that slimy, sleazy salesman on the yard. And I used to love watching him in action. He was just a people person. He just wanted to know where they were at and how they were. He never once said, you know, do you need a car today? He was always like, how are you going? Like literally just the easiest going person to get on with. And it was never about the car. It was about what did that person need and could he meet them there? So Yeah. yeah. Well, what's, what do you need for your family to get to point A to, from point A to point B, right? Yeah. And it's solving a problem. It's filling a hole in the person's life. So yeah, yeah you're dead on. And, and the fact that your father saw it that way is amazing, right? And that's what I think we all need to do is realize that sales, and I know you haven't gotten to your question yet, but sales really is all about solving the problem. It's being of service. It's I go to bed at night myself knowing that my clients are sleeping better at night knowing that I've proposed a solution to a problem that they have and they've decided to engage me in the solving of the problem. And I know they go to bed better at night, sleep better at night because I've solved the problem for them. And there's no greater feeling than that, you know? So, uh, yeah. Yeah, you're right. I didn't get to the end of my question, did I? All right. I went off on a little bit of a tangent to the story. No, sorry. I I, I didn't Yeah. So, yeah, I guess the question is, what trend have you been seeing over the last few years, if any, that's making you think a little bit differently about sales? Or what are you implementing with your clients that is allowing them to think differently about the way they approach sales? Because, I, you know, as I said, I think it's obviously it's going to be with us forever. But the art of selling will change with the nature of society and the trends that are happening. Yeah, where my head goes to immediately with that question is, What is ultimately the bringing together of sales and marketing, you know, and the reason that they are coming together is because consumers, whether business to business consumers or business to B2C consumers, they are doing a lot of research before they reach out to a prospective client or a prospective company to help them solve a problem. So the people who are doing very well in sales today, the companies that are building great sales cultures are those that are bringing together that marketing and sales. And it's a very cohesive, consistent feel and message, you know, behind it. You know, I think there's a statistic out there now that consumers are engaging companies 67% later, something along those lines, in the buying process than they were, uh, you know, back when the Electrolux vacuum cleaners, door-to-door salesmen came to our door and Back in those days, the information access wasn't near what it is today. And so thus the importance of marketing today, thus the importance of creating an authentic, genuine brand that actually gets people wanting to do business with you. You know, there is a fundamental principle, maybe it's probably best said, people make the decision to buy based on how they feel, then they justify that decision logically. So we as companies, as salespeople, as entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, whatever we are, we have to really engage in that feeling first. And then we have to have that feeling that we create. We have to back it up with those logical features and so on that makes the person want to buy. So, yeah, so I guess really the marketing piece is it creates the feeling and we need to have sale approach to sales that feels the same as our brand. Does that make sense? Yeah, I love that. I love that awesome insight. So 
Why do you think most entrepreneurs don't get the volume of sales that they need in their business? You know, a lot of people listening into Untapped are either solopreneurs or with a small team. They might be consultants. They might have service-based businesses. They might have online sales-based businesses. Why do you think most people aren't getting the sales that they really, really deserve? And what do they do about it? Well, you know what? As I was listening to you make a few statements in advance of a question, you know, I heard a lot of the reasons why. You used words that were quite negative towards sales. And I'm not saying those are your beliefs. They are the beliefs of most people. I wrote my book in 2015. What inspired me to write the book was I had sold our consulting business, uh, so a service-based business, to KPMG. And I was working with KPMG, helping consultants grow their books of business. And I was the chair of the Technology Association in Newfoundland, Canada, where I live. And I was in front of a group of entrepreneurs, 30-year-old entrepreneurs. There was roughly 30 of them. And I asked the question, what were the first words to come to mind when you think about sales? And they were the exact words that you said, sleazy, slimy, manipulative, objection fighting. There was a few little positive slants to them, but most of them were negative. And the one thing that we got to realize is we think in pictures. We think in pictures and our thoughts motivate us to act or not. So if we think negatively about sales, if our subconscious mind is really programmed to be negative in the area of sales, we're not going to be inspired to go out and act. And if we force ourselves to act, we're not going to act powerfully because we really don't believe what we're doing is we're meant to do it, right? So we got to change the image on the screen of our minds of what we think sales is, is the first place to start. So that's why, I guess, back to your question, that's why most people are afraid to do it. And that's why most entrepreneurs, when they start their business, the first thing they think about outsourcing or finding a VP of sales is they they think they got to go out and find the hired gun who's going to go out and create sales for them. And it doesn't usually work. And I do believe actually it's why most companies fail. It's because the owner, the person who created the idea, created the story of creating the product or the service, they avoid sales. Uh, They avoid the communicating of the value proposition with the client and think it's something for somebody else to do and far better off focusing in on learning to sell it and share the story and share the value proposition. Yeah, I love that. And I also love the the visual because it's so, so true. You know, what you focus on becomes your reality. So if you make it a negative thing, that's going to be your reality of selling. And if you make it an amazing enrolling gift-giving conversation, yeah, it's that's the way it's going to turn out. Before we hit record, we started talking a little bit about this idea of contribution marketing or contribution selling. Do you want to just share a little bit about your understanding of that and why it sparked some you know, curiosity in you and you're sort of, I guess, is probably filtering through into the work that you do with your clients now? Yeah, well, the name contribution marketing was something I just stumbled upon a few weeks ago while reading an article on entrepreneur.com. And it was in reaction to the pandemic, which I'm not sure when this is going to air, but we're right in the midst of it right now. And, you know, the question was, you know, many of the bigger brands were stopped. They had stopped spending their money on marketing and many of the smaller brands were doing the same. And it's a big mistake because we want to be continuing to build awareness of our brands. So the article goes on to say that, you know, what we need to be doing is creating, just change the spin on our marketing from buy our product to here's the reason behind our product. Here's the problem that we solve. 
spreading out our wings a little bit further and truly being of service to our prospective clients. And you know what, not even our prospective clients, to the general population at large who are presently going through a lot of pain and, uh, and turmoil. So contribution marketing is simply about sharing our expertise, sharing our stories, being a, a beacon of light. But also, I do believe it's also sharing the ups and the downs, right? Maybe a good example of contribution marketing, and I'm, this is me tooting my own horn, if you'll permit me, <laughs> myself, <for> and, <laughs> yeah, myself and two uh, friends, Mary Jane Copps and Carol Bartlett. Mary Jane is a communication master, and she's very good at leveraging the telephone as a means to grow business. And Carol Bartlett, is, she's very mathematically minded. She looks at sales, very process oriented. And I'm more of a, an expressive human to human mindset kind of seller, right? Anyway, we had been collaborating on an idea for a number of months and we were going to launch it in September and it's called My Revenue Room and it's geared towards, you know, helping independent consultants and entrepreneurs, solopreneurs focus on their top revenue. And we were going to launch it in September. So comes along uh, March, early March, and pandemic hits in Canada where we live. And we said, you know what? There's no better time than now. Number one reason is we need support for ourselves. But as importantly, or more importantly, everyone needs more support. We need community. So we decided to launch it. And, you know, we launched it for a fraction of the cost that we had envisioned. But, and we're, you know, we're not even remotely making money. Right. You know, it's it's we've got a number of first handful of subscribers, but we're being of service. We're delivering webinars. We're all, you know, free as a means to just grow brand and awareness around what we're up to. So I just use that as one example. But I, I think you'll all you got to do is go online. and You'll see all kinds of great examples of people doing webinars focused on their core competency. I've got a client who's a disability management consulting company. And she has a safety wing and she's done a phenomenal job of doing webinars, helping companies adopt the Health Canada, sort of the guidelines for their businesses. And she's just providing free webinars, being an information source because uh, she's an expert in that area. So that's contribution marketing. Sorry for the long-winded answer there, but I think most people will get it just based on that description. Yeah, no, thank you for sharing as well. And actually, I think a prime example of somebody who's been doing that is Pat Flynn of Smart Passive Income. He's been turning up on YouTube every single day at, I think, 8 a.m. Pacific time and doing an hour called the Income Hour, where he's just talking with people, answering questions. But the interesting thing about that is while he's turning up free, it's giving huge kudos to his brand for turning up every single day and giving. And then people have been contributing by way of donating, and he's actually making more money than ever during this time because people are paying him for his time. They're buying more of his products. So it just shows you that I think a lot of people go, you know, oh my gosh, I have to turn up and give more for free. But there's usually a really great karma that comes back from that, whether it's brand awareness, visibility, new subscribers, potential sales, potential new clients, just because you're giving in that time. I'm curious though, Chris, about you turning up with the revenue room. I really love that name and putting it out there for a fraction of the cost. Cause I kind of wanted to challenge you on that a little. I feel like there's been a lot of people during this time who have wisely or unwisely discounted their services because they've looked at where people are at where they're struggling. A lot of people have lost income. A lot of people are down and out. But I guess this comes back to the question of when you really know your audience and you know where they're at, you can judge whether there's a need to to make it more affordable for them or whether they're actually willing to pay what it's worth because they're looking for the next stage of growth. And I just wanted to bring that up because I think it's 
probably one of the most important things in sales, I would imagine, is knowing your ideal client and meeting them where they're at with their objections, et cetera. And yeah. also and putting offers out in front of them that make sense to where they are now, where they want to be. Would you say that's yeah. one of the key things? I think that you raise an excellent point and I fully agree with you. And maybe I can just, I don't want to justify why we did that as such. Well, maybe I will. What I'll say is we just wanted to create a community and that community, it's like, have you ever heard of Perry Marshall? I have, uh, yeah, the 80-20 rule, 80-20 marketing. You got it. He calls it racking the shotgun. Mm. And what that means is if, if you throw out a signal to the market and and it's like when you go into a bar, and back in the old days, if you went into the bar and you took a, the gun out of your holster, the people who look because they heard the sound of, the, of it coming out of the holster, mm-hmm. those are your ideal clients. They're the ones who look, okay? Mm-hmm. And so I guess what I'll say is that we've created within my revenue room the experience of racking the shotgun. And those initial people who are just, we, we just had an, the idea of creating community. It's a, you know, we have one webinar, it's called the weekly check-in and myself or Carol or Mary Jane, we, we come and we open up and we just answer questions like Pat Flynn similarly. And people are paying $20 a month to be able to come and do that. Right. Mm. And so it's like one hour, it's actually what, one hour a month of our time. But what that creates for us, for the long tail of all that, is a community of people who we actually are building brand with, and they've actually spent a little bit of money, so we know they're open and willing. But anyway, I just wanted to express to you why we decided to go that direction, but I truly do appreciate your point. It's, it isn't the time to decrease your pricing, you know what I mean? If you're only focused on your ideal client, I fully agree with mm-hmm. you on that. And I think, and thanks for sharing it because I think it just raises the question for people. And that's what I want to do in this podcast is, you know, you've got to do what feels good to you and what feels right and what feels aligned. And I've definitely seen a lot of people stepping up, myself included, giving more than ever. Mm. And I think there's ways to do that where it's going to come back and be really beneficial to you, but also not undervaluing the value that you provide. And there's different ways to be able to give and and do that. So I think what you're doing is awesome. And I'm really excited to see what comes off the back of it. I'd love to hear a little bit more about your book, what it's called. I think I can see it on the the shelf behind and also how that has changed the trajectory of your career. Like I'm in the process of writing my third book right now. And I have a beautiful writing group coming along with me writing their own stories. And I just think books are awesome, but there's certainly a lot of work to write and then publish. So do you want to share a little bit more about why it was so trajectory changing for you? Yeah. You know, I jokingly call myself Chris Spurvey 9.0 today. <laughs> you know, we're always in a constant state of reinvention, right? Or, or I am anyway, I'm sure you are. We, anyone who's growth minded, we, we're in a constant state of reinvention. So, you know, I had a couple of books, you know, well, the, the impetus of my message is that we want to get over that mental image of sales because that's what will help propel us forward. And how did I do that? Well, I had a couple of books that I read. Uh, they were narratives, stories. And one was called The Greatest Networker in the World. And the other one was called Mach 2 with Your Hair on Fire. Phenomenal books. Actually, they're kind of like sort of cult followings. And they're not. Another great author that does come to mind is Ogmandino. He wrote the book uh, The Greatest Salesman in the World and The Choice and so on. So these books that were narratives had phenomenal impacts on my life because a narrative changes the image on the screen of our mind on a certain topic, okay? So 
I really credit my progress in sales to these books. And I said to myself one day back probably 15 years ago that if I ever make it, I'm gonna, I'd like to write a book that shares my perspective on this stuff. But it was just something that was under the surface. I thought maybe I'll get to it one of these days. And, and so when we sold our company in 2013 to KPMG and I was with the organization, I knew I didn't want to spend the rest of my life there because I'm an entrepreneur. I'm, I didn't want to be stuck in such a bureaucratic, large organization. So I thought, you know what, what can I do? What can I do to get the creative outlet and so on? So I said, this is the time to write the book. So when I came close to finishing the book, though, I realized outside of my mom and dad, I had no one to buy it. So, so what did I have to do then? I had to go researching, how do we get the message of a book out there? And so that led me to start my podcast. And then I started writing articles and publishing them on LinkedIn. I actually credit that LinkedIn publishing platform with creating some momentum, right? And I read the work of Pat Flynn. I read the works of Michael Hyatt. Some of these people who were sort of early on the bandwagons of building a platform and different things like that. So I started an email newsletter right away. And so this is going back to, say, 2015. And at the bottom of all my articles on LinkedIn, I would invite people to subscribe to my newsletter. But I never had any major vision of what that would all be. I just, you know, but... I guess I reached the point in 2017 where I saw the next version. I said, you know what, I can take the brand that I've built kind of organically and I can springboard with it. And that's why I left KPMG in 2017 and started my current company. And I've, I've got three companies that I own right now. Really? I'm a part owner too, along with my consulting business. So anyway, I, I that's sort of the story. And it's so the book was really the impetus that started it all, but I did it as a passion project. And I guess uh, it still is a passion project, uh, but I'm having a lot of fun and doing well with it. It's time to sell. What would you say is one of the most key and pertinent messages in your book related to sort of where we're at right now? Because I do feel like we're almost coming into version, maybe not 9.0, but 3.0, yeah. 4.0 of the world and, and the way in which yeah. the economy is going to go and the businesses that will no longer exist and the new ones that will spring up. I mean, it's going to be a a hard but fascinating time ahead. So what's one of your favorite lessons from the book that's been really resonating with people? Yeah, well, you know what? My head goes to there is that just no matter what version of the world we're in, the universe is governed by natural laws. And the law that comes to mind, well, I mean, I guess I don't know what the actual law would be. Maybe it's the law of cause and effect. Uh, The law of cause and effect would say that for every thought that we have, it creates a feeling. And that feeling creates an action, and that action creates a result. And now, so then the question becomes, as human beings, how can we create the thoughts in our lives that motivate us to act? And the only way I've learned to do that is through having a vision for our future that is more compelling, more riveting, more energizing, actually gets us up out of bed in the morning and makes us want to charge into the day and relentlessly pursue our goal or our vision. So I guess what I'll say is the primary piece that we all want is a vision for our future, because a vision for our future will create the self-motivation to go out there and make it happen. And we can actually then overcome any hurdle that stands in our way, as long as we stay true to ourselves and true to our vision. Mm, I love it. It just reminds me of the painted picture, which you might have heard of before, the vision for your business or life three years from now, but written in the present tense. It's a hugely powerful tool that I've used for 
eight or nine years. And it works for that very reason, right? As you just said, it's the vision for the better life that you want to be involved in and living. Well, if you're cool with it, I can share with you my morning ritual. It's called the quantum leap ritual. Yeah. So so here's my journal. Okay. Mm -hmm. There's my vision written down. And so I wake up and my 12 minute ritual every single morning is I sit in this chair behind me here and I read the vision to myself. So waking up at 5 a.m. is such a delight. I sit in the side of the bed, feel the energy as I release it from my healthy tone body, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. So I read it, I get relaxed, and I, I start, I visualize myself doing it. So then what I do is I go to pictures that I have in my journal, mm-hmm. and I look at these pictures, and maybe I'll just take one of the, uh, you know, it's a picture of a cabin with some mountains and stuff in the background. And what I do is I take my finger and I trace the edges of the picture with my Mm. finger. And when I do that, it's amazing what happens for me. uh, And I've done it for 12 years. So I actually picture myself in the picture. It's, it's Mm. It's amazing how the mind works. And, you know, or I might trace this airplane and I see my wife and I taking off to head down south in North America, down to the heat. And, you know, or I trace this picture, which is me standing in front of, my uh, tribe, as I think you used that word earlier, delivering an impactful keynote. And so I do that. And so I, and what happens as I'm doing that is insights, ideas, actions sort of start to bubble up in my mind. And I believe that ideas are like slippery fish. If we don't poke them with a dagger, they'll sail off and somebody else will grab them and they'll actually act on them. So what I do then in my journal is I write down the actions or ideas on that particular day that come to mind. Mm-hmm. And then I just basically start my day by looking over the items on my list and, and whatever one sort of speaks to me the most, I decide to do that day. And I think I have proven that this formula works for me anyway. You know, it's like a shark. A shark is always moving forward in the relentless pursuit because it'll suffocate. And, you know, our goals will suffocate unless we are moving towards them every single day. And the worst thing we can do is allow self. So what this ritual does is it helps our minds focus on the goal instead of focusing on just today's kind of mundane potential. Uh, You know, and it reminds me that if you walk in an operating room in the middle of an operation, it will it'll actually look like a murder has taken place, <laughs> you know, and nothing looks good or necessarily always feels good in the middle. It's when we arrive that it looks good. So what this ritual does is it protects our minds during the middle of the operation, if that makes sense. So I really believe in the quantum leap ritual that I just described. I love it. Thank you so much for sharing it and in depth. And uh, I got the privilege of being able to see it on video but well you know hopefully you've painted enough of a picture there for people to see it and I think you're so right you actually have to I know Tony Robbins is a big one for this you do actually have to live and breathe it so you have to envisage yourself in that state of being or in that place imagining yourself there and you know what all of this stuff takes time and I think it's absolutely worth it like if you can't give yourself 12 minutes or 15 minutes each morning to really visualize where you want to be moving towards then you're just not going to get there in the way that you want certainly not in the time that you want or with so much vigor and as you said determination and real drive towards having that life and if the life that you've painted for yourself isn't enough to move you to do that then it's probably the wrong one 
you know, That's like right. you have to, yeah. to go back and go, no, really, what is my why here? And what is the vision for this amazing life that I want to lead? And how do I want to contribute yeah. to others? Well, you're nailing it. It all starts with a decision. It starts yeah. with a desire for a better tomorrow than you have today, but then it comes down to a decision. And once you make that decision, you begin to put things like that in place that keeps you you know, moving forward and focused on the future. It's very important. I guess for me, I just have a mindset. We only come around here once. Like, let's give it our, our best shot, right? Like, why not? Uh, what else are we going to do? So, you know, I try to boil it down to some simplistic ideas that, you know, move us forward. Yeah, 100%. And you mentioned that you've been doing it for 12 years, I think it is. Yeah. Do you want to share an example of something in your vision and in, in that journal that came true much more quickly than you thought or just that was really powerful indication to you that that works? Yeah. You know, it's funny, the last chapter. So 2015, I had a vision of building a cabin in Canada, where I live, they're called cabins. I mean, you might want to call it a cottage and, and whatever you call it in the, in the area of the world you're living in. I had visions of create, building this cottage that would be a place for my family and I to go to on the weekends and in the evenings for solitude and so on. And so I actually wrote it. When I was finishing my book, I decided to write the final chapter to be a, a kind of a, to be a vision, right? And it was, the final chapter was me sitting in front of a fireplace with a big rock fireplace with my two dogs at my feet in front of and sort of reflecting on the journey that I, I went down. So anyway, after I published the book, it was three months later, we found this cottage for sale. And when I walked in it, it was what I had painted in the book. I couldn't believe it. Right. It was like, awesome. and tears almost came to my eyes because it was like I had attracted to me the exact cottage that I had written about in the final chapter of my book. All that visualizing and there it was. I love it. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. I also love the, sorry. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting because maybe I'll just tell you this story. So there's a gentleman by the name of Price Pritchett. He wrote the book, You Squared. It's a phenomenal handbook that's, I believe, sold over 3 million copies. It's 30 pages long. It's a very short uh, handbook. And I had been a student of Price's U Squared Handbook for about 10 years. And in, in January of last year, I wrote in my journal, he not only wrote this handbook, but he also wrote multiple handbooks in the areas of change management, uh, organizational performance, and so on. And I was looking at my own personal business back in January of last year saying, you know what, where do I want to go with this business? There's so much potential. And I had read the book, The One Thing by Gary Keller. And in that book, he talks about reverse engineering people who created the success that you want. And I decided, I wrote in my journal, I'm going to reverse engineer Price Pritchett's business. So I spent three months every few days looking at his website, writing out, watching some stuff on YouTube, getting to understand who he is and how he built his business. Fast forward to August. August, I wrote in my journal, I'm going to reach out to Price and introduce myself to him and invite him on my podcast. So I wrote that down and I acted on it that day. I found him on LinkedIn and I reached out to him. This was say middle of August. I didn't get a reply. Middle of October, I get an email from a lady by the name of Kim saying, Price doesn't do media uh, type stuff, but if you have any questions, I'm going to introduce you to our vice president. His name is Chuck. And so anyway, Chuck and I ended up getting on the phone and we had a great conversation. And I told him about my business. 
And I focus in on professional services is my primary focus in terms of my business. And while I was telling Chuck about my business, he must have been making mental notes. And two or three days later, I get an email from Price inviting me to Dallas, Texas, where I went down and spent two days with Price around his boardroom table in November. And I walked away from those two days in November, we became business partners. So wow. I'm now a, a business partner with uh, Pritchett, which is you know, the author. So I, I give that as an example of a quantum leap and mm-hmm. of, a, of how this type of stuff can really work, you know, if we stay true to ourselves and follow through with it. That's freaking awesome. And I'm so glad I asked the follow-up question because too often somebody's like, hey, this changed my life. And then you don't dig into how. So they were two perfect examples of so yeah. excited for you. And it, it, it's so freaky. That's really, really cool. And how neat that um, you had that experience and then now you're in business. You know, be careful yeah. what you wish for is what I always tell people when they're visioning. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And there's, a, there's actually a science behind it, right? And there's, there's a, a metaphysical or a spiritual element to all this that would, you would say, you know, the law of attraction. There's actually a true science behind that. At the base of our brains is something called the reticular activating system. And the reticular activating system is what actually sorts in and out of our lives what we value. You know, it's like when you go and buy a new car and you drive off the lot and all of a sudden you start seeing cars that are identical to the one you just bought. They were there before, but Mm -hmm. you're seeing them now because our reticular activating systems are sorting it into our consciousness. So what this does, this type of a ritual is it really fine-tunes and sharpens the reticular activating system to be looking for what you're trying to achieve and looking for signals and signs and different ways to do it, right? So it's really important because it it engages the reticular activating system, and otherwise we would miss all these cues and different things, you know? Mm. And also, I guess, the simple part behind that reticular activating system is what you focus on becomes your new reality. So as we talked about right at the beginning, if you focus on sales being eh, that's pretty much how they're going to turn up for you. If you focus on them being this growth mindset behind it and the possibility behind it, that's what you're yes. going to attract. So yeah, I love it. I also love that you are from Newfoundland because I, you know, when I first moved to Canada and lived in Vancouver, I called it Newfoundland, like I'm sure a lot of yes. people did. <laughs> but also I love the way you say car and bar. So it's just, I don't know if anybody else picked up on that in the audio, but I love it because earlier when you talked about going into a bar with your gun and I was like, oh, bar, right. So it's, it's perfect. <laughs> and one of the things that I used to do in Canada was that people always picked up on as I started saying yogurt. And somebody's like, it doesn't have an R on the end of it. It's like, no, it doesn't. But I don't know why. To this day, I think I still say yogurt. So yeah. maybe it was a bit of a Canadian thing. Anyway. This has been awesome. We have a tendency to talk very fast as well. Uh, I was interviewed on a podcast a couple of days ago, and and I made the comment that I joined LinkedIn in 2006, and I said it so fast. The lady who was I was talking to thought I said I joined LinkedIn when I was six, and she said, "What? LinkedIn was around that long?" I thought you were going to say something like it sounded like I linked and had sex and maybe she was going to take it in a whole new way, but you know, luckily not. This has been a blast. I so love that we're so aligned with so much of our thinking and especially loved you sharing your ritual. So thank you. Where is the best place for people to find out more about you, reach out and say thanks for coming on the show and learn more about Chris? 
Yeah, sure. Well, uh, my name, chrispervey.com, C-H-R-I-S-S-P-U-R-V-E-Y.com. Oh, if you go there, you can actually get a copy <laughs> of my book. What's that? Sorry? Er, Chris Burvey. Er, yeah. <laughs> if you go there, you can get a PDF of my book as well. Uh, LinkedIn is the um, is the social media platform that I'm active on. I'm not active on any other one. Uh, so uh, you can check me out on LinkedIn. I love that. I love the focus. LinkedIn is where your people are at. It's where you get your business. It's where you contribute most. Love it. Thank you so much, Chris. It's been a blast. It has been a blast. I really appreciate your time. So I really hope that you enjoyed that episode with Chris. It's, as I said, one of the most fundamental things that we all need to get over. And I get it. Like, I still have that problem with people who think marketing is the scammiest thing on earth. And For me, it's always that they haven't been shown the ethical way to engage and enroll and storytell and just really get people to see the results that they're going to get rather than marketing at them and telling them what they need. It's all about, for me, understanding your customer thoroughly and what their needs are. And I feel like sales and marketing get a bad rap and yet they're the two things that will allow you to survive and thrive in business. And there are people who do it incredibly well. And then there are people who just screw it up for everybody. So I hope that you took a lot away from this episode today, because I think Chris is one of those people who gets it and he does it right. So please thank him on Instagram or check out his website. Go and take his assessment that he has on his website as well, if that's going to help you out. In the meantime, if you are looking to earn more revenue every month, to increase your sales, to be better at marketing, to actually get a sales funnel in place. And more important than all that, to understand why the heck you do what you do, what your unfair advantage is, and to really get a beautiful vision for your life and business, then I invite you to come and apply for my pretty freaking awesome 10K club. In just a month of opening that up to beautiful members who applied, it's incredible. Every single day, people are posting in our community talking about what they've earned, where they found money, they're all income tracking, and people are making massive mindset shifts as well as actually making bank. It's all coming together so perfectly. I had a huge vision for this club and it is absolutely coming to life. And I'm super thrilled because as you know, my mission is to help 1,000 women earn 10K a month or more and contribute at least 1% of that to charities. That's what the 10K Club is all about. It's about getting you to that place of feeling fulfilled and abundant and confident in your business model that's going to give you the lifestyle you love and help inspire others to do the same. Head across to nataliesisson.com forward slash 10K. That's one zero K as in the letter K. And you can read all about it and submit your application so we can jump on a call and have a chat. Can't wait. Now go tap into your potential and have an amazing week.